The Pharisees and the Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. He replied, When evening comes, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, today it will be stormy, for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus then left them and went away. When they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They discussed this among themselves and said, It's because we didn't bring any bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, You of little faith, why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? How is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread? But be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Mark, hello everyone. My name is Ian. Good to see you all here. Uh, we are really coming to a uh, high point uh, in Matthew's Gospel. And in one sense, as I think about this part of God's word in Matthew 16, uh, I had the sense in my spirit that uh, for me and maybe our church, I've been waiting to get to the key point in Matthew 16, which is not to underestimate uh, the power of Jesus' trial and his death and crucifixion and resurrection and the great Matthew 28 in terms of the Great Commission. So that's really... But Matthew 16... What comes up next week is absolutely pivotal in all our confession, our church life, because it echoes what Jesus is doing. It's really crucial. Um, but more and more I realise you actually have to stop and think about what comes before that. And this is really what this sermon is about, what comes before this moment in time where we probably know uh, it's called Peter's great confession of who Jesus is. So as we get into that, we're thinking about the signs that are there for people to stop and think about. So who is Jesus? What's going on? What are we looking for? What are the questions of the day? And so to help us think a little bit about signs and what goes on, just watch this clip. Okay, God, you want me to talk to you? What should I do? Give me a signal. I need your guidance, Lord. Please send me a sign. Oh, what's this joker doing now? Okay. All right. I'll try it your way. All right. Lord, I need a miracle. I'm desperate. I need your help, Lord. Please, reach into my life. Uh, what the... Yeah. <laughs> 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 
true to say I uh, like movies and I like that movie. I still think the line smite me oh mighty smiter is a pretty good script uh, of those it's quite a funny moment in time uh, Signs it's a, it, that last part indeed is quite sobering when he gets the message on that device that was there a thousand years ago uh, of course we have different devices today but I wonder even if God called you or the Spirit prompted you, would you know it and would you respond to it? Because uh, sometimes in life we all call out for things, but when that happens. And so uh, as we think about this message, it's signs, it's not as if there's something against signs, but we are waiting, well I think Jesus is waiting on the world to change. Uh, there's a lot going on around us, waiting for this moment in time. Some people right now, probably kids, are waiting for Christmas Day. Uh, parents are waiting to, for Boxing Day. Can I just get through Christmas somehow and then stop? Some of you might be waiting to go home to watch the cricket. I know how important that is. You're thinking, hurry up, Ian, let's get back out there, see what's going on. Uh, maybe we're all looking for signs. Maybe you're looking for signs that affirm all the decisions you've made to this point in time, that they've been right. Maybe you're looking for signs to affirm that everyone else is wrong. I don't know. Christians are waiting for the return of the Lord. Uh, maybe uh, the atheists are waiting to be affirmed in their rightness about life without God. Uh, there's lots of things we're waiting for. Uh, while I, I like music, and that shouldn't surprise you, uh, I did steal that title from John Mayer. Uh, and when you, in his song, Waiting for the World to Change, he said this, And when you trust your television... What you get is what you got because when they own the information, oh, they can bend it all they want. That's why we're waiting, waiting on the world to change. He wrote that in 2006. All of you know when Facebook was launched? 2004. So imagine how the world has changed since 06 when you're saying back then, when you're just hearing this stuff from television, what about 2019? How we hear stuff. Uh, and what we base our life or decision making on. It's like, that was pretty profound. 13 years ago he was concerned and wrote that song. We wait for the world to change. Uh, and so as we think about this, society waits for things, we all wait for things, I think also others are waiting for signs. Signs. We're not the only, we are not the only ones who wait. Centuries ago others were waiting for the Messiah to come. The Messiah to come with power. The Messiah to come and overthrow the government in particular. They wanted something. They were waiting for something. In no way do I think they were waiting for a sign that a peace-loving Messiah who would speak of compassion and mercy, who would die for that, that really wasn't the kingdom they were thinking of back then. They wanted something different. Uh, they wanted evidence of that. They wanted a sign. 
of something profound and powerful. And I love signs. Signs are helpful, and I'm not picking on anyone in particular. We have this sign uh, here outside on the table there. And what this sign says, maybe you can read it, maybe you can't. This has an, an image of the Mark's Gospel we're hoping to buy. And it says here, We welcome you to view, but please do not remove. It's fantastic. We had five of those Mark's Gospels there. We've got one left. Now, isn't it good that other church members have come in and taken them? Because we'd never do that, because we can read signs, can't we? So whenever we think about signs, let's not somehow bag others out about what we see or don't see. We're all guilty of missing signs. Would have been better to say, just help yourself, don't worry. Signs, they're all there. Pharisees, Sadducees, they all want signs. And so it begins this moment in time. As uh, Matthew 16 starts to unfold with all that's happened, and we read this, the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him. That should not shock you. By asking him to what? To show them a sign from heaven. Uh, understand the Pharisees and the Sadducees are, are, are worlds apart. It's not as if they're you know, close together, but they join forces. Why? To test Jesus, to get at him, to make his life miserable. Uh, what is that saying? The enemy of my enemy is my friend. So they come together. Uh, they want to sign evidence. They want a truth there that demonstrate who Jesus is. And so what does he say? He says this, he replied, When evening comes, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, today it will be stormy for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. Now, you might think with all that's gone on in the last few chapters or our journey so far, with all that Jesus has said to others, especially religious leaders and teachers, that he gets to verse 4 and it's like, wow, he just jumps straight into it. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus then left them and went away. No explanation. Uh, you might have noticed if you've gone through uh, Matthew 14 and 15, he, he constantly wants to get away. Have you noticed that? Just wants just let me have some headspace. And he doesn't explain what he means in that point, in that conversation about Jonah. Uh, his point is direct, and we know this to be true. Uh, they're good at looking at some things around them, but they're not good actually at seeing who's standing before them. And that's uh, many of us uh, uh, living in the Illawarra. We often see lovely sunrises and sunsets. Uh, that's one down at uh, the North, North Beach. Uh, but as teachers, they've become confused with that which matters or the truth. Uh, they can predict weather patterns, but they can't really predict God's work, which is based on fact. Uh, and you know the truth, uh, growing up my parents would often say, you know, red sky in the night, shepherd's delight, red sky in the morning, Do any parents ever say that? Be careful of black cats, Ian, don't walk under a ladder, uh, all those wonderful things. You know, if you smash a window, it's seven years bad luck, bad things happen in three. What do we build our life on these things? All this stuff that goes on, superstition. What Jesus is annoyed about is they can't see who's standing before him, before them. And that'll come up later on. 
You know, for the Pharisees and the Sadducees, these religious teachers, the ones who are there, protect the truth, speak the truth, engage in the truth. It's not as if they're saying, wow, Jesus, you're an amazing person. We know and have seen you heal so many people. We've seen you perform miracle after miracle. We know about the feeding of the 5,000, let alone the feeding of the 4,000. Man, we, we've heard, we've seen, this is un- you And you teach like no one has ever taught before. This clearly leads us to the conclusion that you are truly... I've got to hold that because that comes next week. I can't tell you the conclusion at that point. Instead, show us a sign from heaven. So what does Jesus do? He actually, he actually points to heaven, doesn't he? In the skies. The sad truth is the penny still doesn't drop for them. And he points and speaks about what's going on. They were so skilled... And he's not really talking about past signs or future signs. He's talking about the now sign, the now sign of Jesus. This is not about culture wars. This is not about storage wars. This is not even about wars between brides and their in-laws, the word of that TV show is. Jesus wanted them to recognize who he was. If you ignore the signs of what I've done, you're ignoring me. You can detect weather patterns, but you can't detect who's standing before you. Let alone the fact that all I've done points to the breaking in of the kingdom of God. That reality, that truth. Um, And it's not as if asking for signs is bad. Has anyone here ever asked God for a sign? I I know I have. I've asked God for confirmation, conviction, all those things. Uh, Some of you might uh, remember the story of Gideon way back in Judges 6. Gideon replied, if I have now found favour in your eyes, give me a sign that is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back, he's speaking to the Lord, and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. You see this in the Old Testament. People ask for signs. It's not as if somehow... It's wrong. I wonder how many at Christmas time and driving through car parks and praying, Heavenly Father, give me a sign. <laughs> Just want one parking space. Don't tell me if he answers that prayer or not. The parking lot prayer. Give me a sign. Uh, and it's a powerful thing, this issue about prove it. And look, you know, just to help you understand the full sweep of Matthew's Gospel, coming up in Matthew 24... Jesus says that this immediately after the distress of those days the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light the stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken then will appear the sign of the son of man in heaven and then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other this is coming up in a few chapters in Matthew's Gospel, it's not as if signs, there are going to be signs of God's work. And it's not so much about signs, it's the refusal to believe in them, to adhere to them, to respond to them, to respond to Jesus. He's already spoken at length, in case you're wondering, about the sign of Jonah. Just a few chapters earlier in Matthew 12, he gave a full description about what the sign of Jonah means. When he said, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the sign of Jonah, much to Jonah's annoyance, and one greater 
than Jonah is here in Jesus. And yet they ignore who he is. Uh, I'm often fascinated why he actually just says uh, wicked and adulterous generation. I wonder what you think about our generation right now or what does that mean? They'd turned away from the truth. They'd turned away from righteousness. They'd turned away from all that God had given them. All the good that comes from that. And, and I'm guessing too, I don't, I'm absolutely, Jesus must have been wearied from these constant confrontations. He's tired and maybe he just doesn't want to waste any more time so he just leaves. Leaves them to themselves. And so the question we want to ask ourselves is, uh, and I think the disciples are in that space as the Pharisees, as the culture was then, waiting for someone to believe in. I think we in 2019 are waiting, our culture is waiting for someone to believe in. And yet the sad truth is we don't look at actually who's already come. We sort of ignore what Jesus has done and who he is. wouldn't matter how many miracles we'd witnessed. It wouldn't matter how much we hear of the good news of Jesus. It's still difficult for people to hear and I'll talk more about the blockage that the church has been next week because that comes up. I won't talk about that today. And so what does Jesus do? He says this, when they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. And you can put yourself in the disciples. Remember how guilty they were feeling about the 5,000 people who were fed, the 4,000. It's like, oh, bread. Where are we? Bread. Uh, be careful. Be on your guard. Jesus said to them, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They discussed this among themselves and said, is it because we didn't bring any bread? Their mind is still on bread and loaves. And I tell you what, it's, uh, it's tough. No wonder he'll get to a point to say, you have little faith. Uh, maybe they're just thinking, you know, we, we didn't get it right last time. We didn't get it right with the 4,000. He's still talking about yeast, this little thing that sows and grows and grows. Often other translations use leaven. Do they think that Jesus is thinking, look, I just want you guys to bake some bread from scratch and you haven't done it. Oh, we should have brought some ingredients with us. We get so, con- we get so confused sometimes about what is being said and about life and about what others think and about truth and about what we should say. I did appreciate this cartoon, I must confess. There I am, the left- oh, that's me on the left-hand side in about five years. That's how I look. And the signs, you know, don't mention hell, it makes me feel uncomfortable. Please refer to sin as bad choices. Uh, Tell me again how much God wants to bless me. I like the one down the end. Remember how much money I give each week. Just be careful, Ian, what you say. Remember who has the purse strings. Yeah, I do, God. Uh, And we get, you know, we get so caught up in worrying about what others think and especially the worst thing is again don't forget he's talking to the religious teachers we are we can be the worst ones around because we believe all sorts of rumors and innuendos and half truths and false truths and we never check we never bother to check with anyone let alone checking you know with with the minister or the ministry team about is that right or is that right 95% of things I hear aren't true, but no one ever checks because we're happy to be in that space to share and to spread. We all run the risk of wanting to hear what we want to hear when we want to hear it without checking the facts. And I don't want to bag the disciples out because I would have done the same thing. But gee, they seem inordinately dense. (laughs) Jesus goes on. 
aware of their discussion isn't it great there he's again always aware always aware of what people are saying what they're thinking jesus asked you of little faith why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread do you still not understand don't you remember the five loaves for the five thousand how many basketfuls you gathered or the seven loaves for the four thousand or how many basketfuls you gathered how is it you don't understand that i was not talking to you about bread but be on your guard against the yeast of the pharisees and the sadducees light bulb moment it they get it then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread but against the teaching of the pharisees and the sadducees and we have to be in that same space uh, Jesus has reasons to be concerned and I, I, the more I look at this part of God's word the first 12 verses of chapter 16 the more I think we may not give enough weight to these verses we may not sit and ponder the consequence of false teaching we, we, we just might sort of brush over it and think it doesn't matter it's only a small false truth it's only no the whole point about the analogy of the yeast etc is how it grows and grows jesus is trying to help them see the distinctive between the old and the new covenant he's not creating a new israel he's reforming it he wants something new uh you can go back to matthew 9 remember that uh, new wine skins you remember that part of the gospel you can't put new wine in old wine skins you have to put them in new wine skins matthew 9 uh, the traditions and the, the values they held on to it has no room for the kingdom of God breaking in it only takes a small amount of evil a small lie to corrupt the entire batch we know that to be true um, and yes again the focus is on religious leaders and teachers there's an old uh, first century uh, saying that false doctrine is like poison water once you let it in it affects and affects and so when we think about that and think about the generation that we are and the generation that we are handing the world over to those who follow us what are we going to ha- what are we seriously contemplating when we hand it over what are the things that we say really matter they need to know about you know how to, and i've been the staff and I have been talking about the issue of truth for different generations and how valuable it is or not or how people want to see a consequence of truth before they believe it. All sorts of things are in that space. But I like the writer who said, essential truth is essential. Essential truth is essential. False doctrine destroys families, churches, life groups, parish councillors, denominations absolutely true Uh, even in our political world uh, legalism and political opportunism it seems to be twin evils which permeate our own society it's just yay let's go with that jesus is trying to get people to realize the value of the truth you know it'll take what's coming up in the second half of matthew 16 for them to really grab hold of that to really understand that power we've got to grab we've got to work through this uh, waiting for the truth the truth is in jesus uh the disciples sort of are getting this slowly i think he was a bit concerned they should have understood this you know in a faster way 
to understand the value of what he's saying, to understand who he is, to understand what's breaking in. Uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, yeah, they're just not getting it. No wonder there are plans afoot to do something to Christ. Uh, we can say that to ourselves when it comes to the Word of God, the Mark's Gospel thing. Is it important that people in our community who are far from God get to hear the Word of God? My answer is yes. Is it important that people in school's life now hear about Jesus? Or should we just can SRE? Oh, by the way, in case you're wondering, I don't think we should can SRE. Just in case you're wondering, and I hate to leave you confused. Uh, what are the values we hold on to? Uh, the religious leaders of the day just valued tradition so much. And we've got to test things more. Write down there 1 John 4 1. 1 John 4 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. Do you really believe everything you read or see? You know, who is your moderator of truth? Is it Donald and his tweets? You know, okay, now I live my life based on that. Okay, isn't it right? They're so upset that they don't have a photo of the president in the room. I'm shocked that you don't have a photo of your senior minister in your dining room. I just can't believe that you, you know. Like, you've got to stop and think, what is true? What is right? You know, you can read books about anything. You can go to any website that will affirm any strange thinking. You know, you can read books that suggest if I let my child chuck a tantrum that'll help them blow off steam and they'll be better for it uh, I can join a church where they'll say if you get baptised in a certain way you're guaranteed a spot in heaven uh, I can smoke cigarettes and believe the National Tobacco Association will say smoking is good for your health no side effects whatsoever I can believe all sorts of things uh, you can, I can real, a psychologist there's a couple here I'm sure if I let children play with knives and run their own race they'll be fine I was interested this morning seeing uh, on uh, the news, electronic news, uh, an article that simply said this, want to raise mentally strong kids. And I'm noticing this more and more in articles. They're telling you what not to do. They say, here are five things you should do, but here's some things you should stop doing. Here are seven things they're saying we should stop doing. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Here's a good one. Uh, Giving in to misbehaviour. If you give in, it'll teach them it's an effective way to get their needs met. Who would have thought? Um, overindulging your children overindulgence can be unhealthy (gasps) I had no idea Uh, I do like uh, this one here Uh, giving your kids an equal vote don't (laughs) making kids feel like they're the leader can cause anxiety yeah it causes anxiety in the parents forget the kids Uh, standing in the way of natural consequences hmm uh, their advice, it takes away the opportunity to learn valuable lessons. Uh, you can Google, you can look at anything you like about what you should or shouldn't do. But do you test the advice? And do you test it with the Word of God? Or is it no longer relevant in your life? You know, a few years ago, these articles really frustrate me. Just, they do let you know that. You know, a book on marriage and the suggestion was from The Guardian in 2008. Why adultery can save a marriage. Uh, cheating on your spouse can be more of a blessing than a sin. Uh, I love this article from 2014 from the, Daily, from the Telegraph. Why adultery can aid a happy marriage. Psychologists, sorry David and Jane, argue that outsourcing areas of your relationship could save in the long term. 
Honey, we've only been married 39 years. Where are you? If we outsource aspects of our relationship, we'll get another... We won't even get another day. Like, do we test any of this waffle? Sometimes, you know, wind the window down. Notice what I'm doing in the car, winding the window down? As if anyone winds a window down anymore. How I miss the old days. And scream and say, are you serious? Of course, I know if I scream and rant and rave, I'll just say it's only in screaming and ranting and raving. And you lose any capacity to engage or speak truth. But are they serious? Uh, sadly, they are. I mean, what about you? I mean, just for the life of me, I can't believe some of the stuff that I hear and that people believe. Uh, we have to be aware of what's going on. And especially before we get to this space where Jesus is so direct about what he is doing and his expectations on his people, on his church. So don't believe everything you hear, number one. Number two, listen carefully to what you're hearing. Filter it for Pete's sake. Filter it through the word of God. And if you're wondering, just read Proverbs again. Just see what advice there is there about growing and learning. And for oh, the word of God, do you realise this, is unchanging. It is there. And if there's a doubt I have, then it's me who has the problem. And it's not as if there are hard things to wrestle with. Brothers and sisters, it's hard things to wrestle with. I remember buying this wonderful book in 1996, uh, Hard Things to Wrestle with the Scripture. What's it say? Hard Sayings of the Bible. It's not a little book. It's an indication there are some challenges. But all it means is think deeper. Think deeper. Don't assume that you're right. Think deeper. Test what's going on. Uh, it's important we understand this. You know, let's, let's guard our soul. Because some people forget, so what's at stake? What's at stake? People's eternal salvation is at stake. That matters. It matters, which is why Jesus gets to the point next week about leaving these guys and directly confronting Peter. Uh, So let's be mindful of that as we journey together. And finally, uh, to help us... uh, Focus a bit more. I, uh, I like Ravi Zacharias. He has lots of things to say. So Ravi was uh, reflecting on John 4. You might remember this woman going to the, the, the well to get some water. Uh, and she got more than she bargained for. He said this, She has come with a bucket. He sent her back with a spring of living water. She has come as a reject. He sent her back being accepted by God himself. She came wounded. He sent her back whole. She came laden with questions. He sent her back as a source of answers. She came living a life of quiet desperation. She ran back overflowing with hope. The disciples missed it all. It was lunchtime for them. Brothers and sisters, don't miss what God is doing. Don't miss the clear evidence of who he is. Don't miss the truth of the word of God. Understand fully he's building something so unique that we have a profound witness and especially in 2019 and beyond to this culture and to the generations who follow us. May it be that we continue to honour him and live our lives submitted under the word of God. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, you and you alone are gracious. Father, help us keep our eyes firmly fixed on Christ because it is on him that our hope is built. 
Nothing more and nothing less. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.